9, Genesis chapter 6, and reading from verse 9. This is the account of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Jesseph. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on the earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I'm surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So make yourself an ark of cypress wood. Make rooms in it and count it, cover it with pitch inside and out. This is how you are to build it. The ark is to be 450 feet long, 75 feet wide and 45 feet high. Make a roof for it and finish the ark to within 18 inches of the top. Put a door in the side of the ark and make lower, middle and upper decks. I'm going to bring floodwaters on the earth to destroy all life under the heavens. Every creature that has breath of life in it, everything on the earth will perish. But I will establish my covenant with you. And you will enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. You are to bring into the ark two of every living creature, male and female, to keep them alive with you. Two of every kind of bird, of every kind of animal, and of every kind of creature that moves along the ground will come to you to be kept alive. You are to take every kind of food that is to be eaten and store it away as food for you and for them. Noah did everything just as God commanded him. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for your word and we pray that as we look into your word this morning, that you might reveal yourself to us, that you might speak to us, that you might speak into our situations, that you might give us understanding and that you might help us as we seek to follow you. So speak to us, we pray now, through the power of your Holy Spirit, working in and through us, and in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you were here last Sunday, you will uh, no doubt remember that we uh, we began this new series of uh, summer sermons, which we're calling uh, Postcards from Heaven, uh, with that idea that, you know, when people go away on holiday, sometimes they send... Uh, postcards with uh, with pictures and words uh, to tell about their adventures wherever they've been and uh, taking that as our inspiration we're going to be looking at some of the uh, uh, bible characters in the story and through pictures and words we're going to be hearing uh, their stories and their postcards uh, last week we uh, received our first postcard and it was from uh, our good friend job and he said i'm having a wonderful life here in the land of us Business is booming, family are parting, what could possibly go wrong? Your friend, uh, Job. And uh, in his postcard we learn the, the reason for Job's suffering, the reaction to Job's suffering and the result of Job's suffering. Well, today we've got uh, another postcard. And uh, this is from Noah and it says, this is the first cruise holiday I've been on. <laughs> Weather's not great, sharing the ship with some Interesting passengers, your friend Noah. 
So, the story of Noah and the ark. It's a story we know well, isn't it? It's a, a story that no doubt we've, uh, we've told and, and listened to many a time. We've sung songs about it. We've probably uh, made little uh, arks and filled it with animals and done all sorts of uh, such thing. It's interesting that Melvin Tinker says this in his book, Reclaiming Genesis, says there are two books in the Bible which are most likely to co- be the cause of heated debate amongst Christians. The book of Genesis at the beginning and the book of Revelation at the end. So be prepared for a heated debate. goes on to say, uh, the dissension occurs not necessarily because doubt is being cast over whether these books are inspired by God's spirit. The main bone of contention is how they are to be interpreted. How they are to be interpreted. Some people will interpret this story as a literal story that actually happened, and some people will interpret it differently. And I would emphasize that Bible-believing scholars and Christians interpret this story in different ways, and I emphasize Bible-believing. You're not more Bible-believing if you interpret the Bible in one way than you are more Bible-believing if you interpret the Bible in a different way. And of course, the way we interpret the Bible is always the best way, isn't it? That's what I think. And, uh, and we expect everybody else to kind of fall in line, don't we, with our interpretation. Well, of course, uh, it's not just Christians that have interpreted the story of Noah. Uh, Hollywood's had a go at interpreting the story of Noah as well. And uh, if you've seen the film with uh, Russell Crowe, Uh, Of course, lots of Christians took umbrage with the way that that that, uh, story was interpreted because they didn't uh, stick exactly to the storyline. And, uh, of course, uh, Evan Almighty, fantastic, very funny film, uh, based in and around the story of Noah. So Hollywood likes uh, Noah just as much as as the church like uh, Noah. And there's been lots of uh, films and, and, and kids' things about the story of Noah. So... What I want to suggest this morning, is it the worst children's story ever? Is it the worst children's story ever? If you go into any uh, Christian bookshop or or go online, you will find literally hundreds of Bibles and storybooks uh, about Noah. Um, In my first church, we decorated the the, the creche and the toddler room uh, with pictures of Noah's Ark all around the, the room. And you understand why. Uh, lots of cuddly animals, uh, a, 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 a nice bloke with a with a, a beard, uh, smiling, looking a little bit like Father Christmas. Uh, you know what a what a, a lovely story. But again, Melvin Tinker says this is one of the most terrifying and tragic stories of God's wrath in the whole Bible. So perhaps not the best story to read to your children or grandchildren just before they're going to sleep, uh, unless you want them to have. Uh, nightmares, or unless you did what we did this morning. Did you notice what we did this morning with the children? Uh, we told the story, but we left, left the nasty bits out and just uh, honed in on the good bits. And uh, we might even do a little bit of that in, in the sermon this morning, who knows. <laughs> okay, uh, just to lighten the tone a little bit. 
Can we please not sing Our God Reigns? Although if you did notice, if you're paying attention, we have had one song already about God uh, reigning, but not in that way, in another way in which he does, of course. So, lots of lessons we could, uh, we could learn from, uh, from Noah's art. You know, don't miss the boat. Uh, we're all in the same boat and, and, and the, the list goes on and I'm sure you've, uh, you, you've heard some of them before. But these are the lessons that I think we can learn from Noah's art. And first of all, I, I want to think about building the ark and building the church. Building the ark and building the church. So God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all people for the earth is filled with violence because of them. So make yourself an ark. I don't know if you noticed in the, in the story of Noah, there's a kind of... A, uh, similarity to what happens right at the beginning in, in Genesis, uh, but kind of uh, in in reverse or, or kind of in, in in a different way. Because because just as in Genesis God looked at the earth and saw that everything was good, by the time it gets to Genesis chapter six, God looks at the earth and sees that everything is now bad. And just as in the beginning uh, there was chaos and God brought order to the chaos. Now God is going to bring back chaos to the world. So there's a kind of reversal, if you like, of what was happening in creation in the story of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked with God. Noah walked with God. In other words, uh, Noah was in step with what God was doing, whereas the other people of Noah's time seem to have been out of step. And it's interesting, in this story, uh, which as we've already mentioned is, is, is not a very nice story, a story about God's judgment on the world and on man's sinfulness, there is a glimmer of hope and grace in the person of Noah, a man who walked with God. And notice the, the way that Noah is described. Noah, Noah was a righteous man and blameless. Righteous and blameless. Do you remember last week when we were looking at the story of Job? And Job was described as a, a blameless and a righteous man. And it just goes to show, doesn't it? You know, the Bible isn't always consistent in how um, God deals with people. Because Job was blameless and righteous. Uh, but didn't seem to get quite as much protection as Noah, who is also blameless and righteous. So just because you're a blameless and righteous person doesn't necessarily mean that God's going to send a big boat along every time you get into trouble. Uh, just thought I would throw that in there in the postcard. So, but the thing about Noah is that he did everything just as God commanded him. God gave him very detailed instructions about what he wanted to do, and Noah follows those instructions. Noah did everything just as God commanded him to do. And God says, again, this is the glimmer of hope right at the beginning of the story, uh, but I will establish my covenant with you and you will enter the ark, your sons and your wives and your, your sons' wives with you and all the animals. I will establish my covenant. You see, God chooses Noah and uh, he works with him. Anybody here ever feel that God has used you? Ever been, anyone ever been used by God? Feel that God has used you? Yeah? One or two, one or, one or two feel that they've been used by God? Uh, I'm going to suggest to you actually that God doesn't use you. 
Well, actually, I'm not going to suggest that God doesn't use you. I'm going to uh, allow uh, Paul Young in his books, Lies We Believe About God, because one of the lies he says that we believe about God is that God uses us. And whilst you may say, well, Richard or Paul, you're just uh, playing with words here, he says if God uses us, then we are nothing nothing but objects of, or commodities to God. Even in our human relationships, we know this is wrong. And of course, by that, he means when you... Is it just playing with words? But if, if somebody in their relationships talk about being feeling used by somebody, it's not a positive thing. It's actually a negative thing. And he goes on to say, really, this is what he's getting at. God is a relational being. This is who God is. The language of God is about partnering, about co-creating and participating. It's about an invitation to dance and play and work and grow. And of course, this is the covenant relationship that God establishes with his people, that he wants to work with us. He doesn't just want to use us. You know, we're not just the hammers and chisel in in God's toolbox. God actually forms relationships with people. He wants to be. He's a relational God. And this is the first use of the word covenant in the Bible. And that's the way God interacts with people through this covenant that he creates. And uh, God is relational. So he doesn't just use Noah. Uh, He forms a relationship with Noah as a person who is in step with him. Building the ark and building a church. And just as Noah follows God's instructions in how to build the ark, so are we to follow God's instructions about how to build the church. And where, as God gives very precise instructions on how to build the ark, you might be thinking, well, it doesn't seem that obvious on how we are to build the church. But this is what Jesus says. And I tell that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build, build my church. And again, you see that, that Jesus is talking about building the church uh, on the rock that is Peter, who is one of the disciples. And again, Jesus isn't going to use the disciples. He's going to work very patiently with the disciples and enable and empower them to be able to build a church in relationship with Jesus. And again, just notice it is Jesus that builds the church. Uh, We're just to try and do what Noah did, keep in step and walk humbly with our God and follow his instructions. We've all got bright ideas and some of them are on the wall in the the, uh, coffee lounge about what we might do to try and build a church. Uh, and uh, some of them are good ideas and some of them are are useful ideas maybe some of them maybe not such good ideas but there are ideas uh, basically and uh, what we've got to try and do is is be in tune with what God is doing because God will build his church in the way that he wants to build it so building the ark, uh, building the church and then there's of course Noah's given the task of, of filling the ark and, uh, you know, we have a similar task of trying to fill the church. And uh, you are to bring into the ark two of all living creatures, male and female, to keep them alive with you. It's interesting, isn't it, that, that God's salvation plan is a plan for the whole of the world, uh, including animals, it would seem. Helping people into the church. Sometimes it feels a little bit like that, doesn't it? Um, that it's quite hard, isn't it? I mean, it, it was a little bit easy for Noah because it, it seems in the story that the animals just turned up, didn't they? And that uh, actually Noah 
uh, didn't actually have to put a, a lot of effort into it. And of course, sometimes people do just turn up at church, don't they? Uh, but it doesn't normally happen like that. Every, every now and again, people will turn up. Uh, but there's probably a little bit more to it than that. And people do need help in the church. Of course, uh, there are issues that we, uh, that we have to overcome. And uh, in, in getting people into the church, um, there are barriers uh, that people have to go through uh, to fill the church. And, and part of the barrier is, you know, how people get into the church. Um, so filling the ark and, and filling the, the church is, is what we are about. Noah and his sons and his wives and his sons' wives entered the ark to escape the waters of the flood. To escape the waters of the flood. Entering the ark and entering the church. Entering the ark and entering the church. But God remembered Noah. Interesting, isn't it? <clears throat> that again, if we, if we look back to last week, it was, it was God that uh, remembered Job and, and pointed out, have you considered my servant Job? And here again, God remembers Noah. Uh, in the midst of everything else that's going on, God remembers us. God knows us. God is in that relationship with us. And sometimes it's good when he remembers us, like in the case of Noah. And sometimes maybe we would rather he didn't remember us, like in the case with Job. But God does remember us because he formed us and he created. And the ark was God's provision. The ark was God's provision in which he was going to save humankind and the animals. And so is the church. The church is God's provision. This is God's ark for the world that is drowning. And as we uh, read uh, the description of the world that, uh, that Noah lived in, uh, the Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become and that every inclination of the thoughts of the hearts was only evil all the time. And it talks about the Lord being grieved. And as we look out into our world today... Uh, we do see much wickedness, don't we? Only uh, last night or this morning, if you've watched the news, uh, you'll have seen, you know, groups gathering together in Charlottetown or wherever in, in America, uh, full of hatred uh, for other people. And we see that all over uh, the world, don't we? We see the, the wickedness that is in the world. And we may think, as we read the story of Noah, uh, that we live in similar times. And how much... Uh, an ark or the church is needed as God's rescue plan for this world. John Stott says in his book, Basic Christianity, Christianity is a rescue religion. Did you realize that we were in the rescue business? It declares that God has taken the initiative in Jesus Christ to deliver us from our sins. This is the main theme of the Bible, that God wants to rescue people from themselves, from sin, from wickedness, that God is in the rescue business, that he actually wants to rescue people. And again, David Atkinson in his book says, no wonder the ark has featured in Christian thinking as a symbol of salvation in Christ and as a picture of God's church. And of course, when, uh, when Noah comes out of the ark, we once again get these this image of the 
covenant. I will now establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you and with every living creature that was with you. I have set my rainbow in the clouds and it will be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. God gives this sign of this everlasting covenant. And of course, when Jesus came, he used similar language. He talked of a new covenant that was being set up between God and humanity. This is the way that God works his relationship with people through covenants. And there's always an invitation for people to enter into the covenant with God. And you and I, most of us, have received that invitation and accepted that invitation. And like Noah, we are trying to walk with God. But there are people out there that maybe haven't heard of the invitation, maybe have a view of God that that is more like the the beginning of the story, that God just wants to judge and destroy. And uh, I mentioned last week that uh, that quite often... uh, Glenn and myself, the minister from Edgeside Baptist Church, we, 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 um, we meet together to, uh, to, to, to have a cup of coffee and to talk about stuff. And very often, uh, you know, we, we, we come around to talking about, about theology and about God. And one of the phrases that Glenn uses, he, he thinks I've got a, a too nice a picture of God. He thinks that's my problem. He said, I, he said, he, and, and he always says to me, you know, where do you get this nice picture of God? And I said, well, I get it from Jesus. And he'll, he'll say to me, what about this and what about that and what about that? And uh, one, of the, one of the reasons that, that I think maybe the story of, or actually, let's say not think, but hope the story of Noah and the ark isn't actually a true factual God, uh, story, is because actually I don't like, the, uh, the, I don't like uh, a story of, of a God that destroys everybody. A God that decides, I've had enough. I'll just get rid of them all. I, I don't like... Uh, that picture of God, and you might say, well, it's there in the Bible, but I could tell you lots of pictures of God that are there in the Bible that I don't like, and we could be here all morning. And uh, my picture of God is is basically formed in this idea of a covenant, that God wants to establish his covenant with people, that he wants to relate with people. And it seems to me that that's where Jesus comes in. And uh, it isn't that Jesus presents a, a nicer picture of God than the Old Testament, but Jesus presents a fuller revelation of who God is. If we want to know what God looks like, then we look to Jesus. And we get a, a picture of what God is like. And God wants to establish a covenant. And he wants us to work with him. He wants us to be part of this relationship. And it isn't an equal relationship. A covenant isn't a, a relationship of two equals. Uh, you notice that, that God establishes the covenant, but he also uh, sets the agreement of the covenant. He says this is how it's going to be, um, and we sign up to it. God's in control, God's in charge, uh, but he works with us and through us and in us through the power of his Holy Spirit. And he says, whenever the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant. And, uh, you know, some people think, oh, it's just a, a, a nice ending to not a, a, not a very nice story. You know, a, a rainbow in, in the sky with a few clouds, that kind of, it's a nice image. Uh, but I don't know about you, but any time I see a rainbow, not only am I reminded of this story, 
of Noah and the ark, but it reminds me of the relationship that I have with God, that God has set the rainbow in the sky as a sign, according to Noah, that he'll never flood the earth again. Some people might want to take uh, argument with that and say, well, what about this? What about that? Uh, I nearly had a flood in my back garden uh, a couple of Christmases ago, and some people further down the road had it worse than me. And you might want to say, well, I'm not sure that... uh, but that's if you want to interpret the, the, the passage literally. But the covenant is, uh, the, uh, the rainbow is that sign that God means business with us. And so here's the challenge. Here's the challenge. If, you, if you're up for a challenge this morning, you know, uh, in the story of Noah, uh, God told Noah to, to build an ark, and he's told us that he wants us to participate within, with him in building a church. He instructed Noah to bring two of every kind. Okay, later on he talks about seven and uh, seven of, of different animals. And we're, we're not going to get into an argument with that this morning. We'll save that for, for Cafe Church. But here's the challenge. Uh, supposing we were, try, were to attempt to bring two people into the ark, which is the church. They're not just going to turn up on the doorstep. Uh, as in the story of Noah, we might have to do a little bit of work. We might have to pray for them. Uh, we might have to invite them. But wouldn't it be great if that kind of two-by-two uh, image and feature of the story became our story, that we brought to mind two people uh, who we would love to see in the kingdom of God, in the church. And we committed ourselves this morning to not just pray for them today, but to continue to pray for them and try to pray people into the kingdom of God. Because you and I cannot actually bring people into church. Well, we can bring people into church, but we can't bring them into the kingdom of God. Only God can do that through the power of his Holy Spirit. But he does it, as in the story of Noah, working with us. He chooses to work with us to fulfill his purposes and plans for the whole of creation. So let's go from this place this morning with two people in our in mind. And let's look for ways in which we can pray for them, which we can encourage them, and for which we can bring them into the church and into the kingdom of God. And so that just like in the story of Noah, that we can say, well, they came in two by two. It might not happen overnight. It might not happen in the months, it might be years. Some people I know have been praying for people for not just months, but for years. Um, don't give up. Don't miss the boat. The opportunity to pray for people.